0: Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest preaching from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. It's so good to be here. I was away for some of the days of the week. I was in Spain. I was meeting with some missionaries, people that are investing their lives actually, and um, the motivation of, of the trip was to actually kind of like share with them a little bit of the things that we have been doing here in the city, but not only that, it's how to take authority, how to take the land, and it was a very fruitful, very fruitful time. I have to say it was, it was epic. Jesus showed up, and if Jesus is, oh my God, literally. Um, We're going to come in the book of John, John 5, 1 to 9, under the subject, New Grace. If you can turn into your Bibles, if you want to pull that app, that makes you feel very spiritual, that thinks for you and knows where John is. John is after the other Gospels. If you don't know where the Gospels are, come to the front. We're going to baptize you right now. (laughs) Next week, actually. (laughs) But the reality, even if you don't know where that book is, that book knows you. Because the book existed after the word. The word didn't start with this manifestation. Just like you, before you were in, in shape and body, God thought of you. And he knew you. And he called you. Jeremiah 1 would say he called you to be a prophet to the nations. And he had called you and has separated you. And that's why you are here today, because he knew you and he called you. John 5. Do you have it? If no, we'll have it in the screen. Don't worry about it. This is for the lazy impaired. John 5 1 says, Sometime later Jesus went to Jerusalem and um, for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is a now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the Canaanites, the Londonese, the Eucanese. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition, for a long time he asked him do you want to get well sir the invalid replied i have no one to help me into the pool when the waters are stirred while i am trying to get in someone else goes down ahead of me then jesus said to him get up pick up your mat and walk and at once the man was cured he picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Thank you, God. Do what you do. Take me out of the way. Break through our stony hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good, eh? Context is Jesus creating context for us. I love when you actually, out of the bat, you can say, what is the context of this? jesus and jesus actually had been walking through the land creating a context for us to understand him so he was not actually treating us like those that because you know the law you know god he was actually interested in our hearts because you can know so much of the book but had no relationship with the word he knows that we can read it a thousand times but never come close to understand his heart his motivations who he is and what he stands for And God is more interested in us not memorizing verses. He is interested in us understanding his heart, how he moves, how he sees things. And Jesus is actually creating context in the midst of a fest, a festival moment, a festivity. He's actually creating context for us to understand that when everyone else is trying to celebrate, Jesus celebrates with specific people. Jesus came from actually starting his ministry, even though it seemed like he was pulled by the hairs, some people would say in some cultures. It was not the time that it looked formidable. It was in a wedding. It was in a party. People were drunk, and they ran out of what would give him stature and status. And Jesus multiplied the wine out of water. Jesus came from actually kind of really messing up with the traditions. Messing up with the people that understood religion, but didn't understand God. The people were married in the weddings of Cana. And even then, Jesus multiplied what would be the reputation. Because God will always come in when you are short. He will always never come down that you get drunk. Never. But at the same time, He wants to give you an honor in the land. I don't know if you feel honorable, but God thinks of you like you're honorable. Jesus is creating context in your life. Jesus comes from multiplying from water to wine and converting that and turning tables. Jesus had gone to visit those that think they know God, but they know rules. They have invented distance. When there was none, there was supposed to be none... He visited those and he saw that they had created distance with the people. They had put into the people's life a heavy burden that they needed to comply with their rules instead of knowing God. And Jesus was turning tables. So he was multiplying wine and reputation. He was turning tables that were not acceptable in front of God because they kept people distant from God. They kept the people away from true worship. He was coming in, and he was also investing in those that were in high stature. He was coming in hot as it goes, and he was healing the people that were important. He was healing the sons of the leaders, the religious leaders in the area. But he also had the wherewithal, like he has with you and me, to visit the low places where people of prestige never go. He was able to look eye to eye to the ones that we ignore. The ones that we look further out so they don't notice our eyes. So we don't have to pass on that chair, on the tube. Or maybe we don't have to give that token. Maybe, maybe Jesus will not go past you. You might think you're the up in the stream, but you might be low. And today he's coming to your colony, baby. Today he's coming to visit your lowness. Your low. You might have overpassed that. You might have actually kind of lived a religious life till today that actually leads you into thinking that everything you know makes you better than the broken, but the broken are the ones that enjoy his company. And we are a church. We are called. Our vocation, the gospel really calls us to be one with those that are low, that are broken. Jesus was one with those. Jesus fought more the ones that thought they knew than the ones that were broken and hurting and lame in their hearts, their minds, and even physically. And that's the church he wants to come to see. That's the church he visits and actively changes and transforms, not modifies, transforms from one glory to the other. Jesus, the one that visits you when you're not enough, the one that visits you even if you are such and such, but the one that remembers also and hangs out with the ones that will never be remembered Jesus so I'm not bragging when I say I love to say Jesus is the context we are in Bethesda Jesus chose to go into this festivity and show who he is the Bethesda itself is actually the the meaning the word Bethesda the, the name Bethesda it actually means the house of mercies or the house of grace and grace itself actually was visiting the house grace is in the house but also it's 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 extraordinary because the same word has a tension like your life and me we're like a little bit of Jacob and a little bit of Israel it depends on where you see us and when you see us in the middle of the day you know like you're a you're a little bit saved and a little bit, you know, heathen. You know, like, depends. We're we're getting reached by God. We're being reconciled by God into the Father. And and in this context, Jesus is, is coming from visiting a Samaritan woman that she had a sweetheart for God, but she she had committed a lot of mistakes. He comes into the house of grace coming from spending time with a woman he who would have never Never been able to see if he was convenient. He was walking with the disciples on the way to this moment, to the Pool Bethesda. And he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through the place that no one in his tradition will go because there was a plan, there was a purpose. Grace gives us the ability to walk in our purpose. It gives us the power, the the favor, the, the, the wherewithal, the intelligence even that is not due to our pedigree and what we know to get there. And you might wonder, well, how did I got here? And everyone around your life might think it's like, you have a good life. But they don't know. You don't know how you got there. That's how good God is. He makes you look good. And in this moment, Jesus that comes from all that is in the house of grace. But the tension comes when you define the word in the full spectrum. From the house of mercies and grace, Bethesda also means the house of shame and disgrace what attention it feels like we're talking about us highly favored but I don't think I deserve it the glory of God uses you in a great way in the week but next moment on you are completely depressed and lundified in a moment you're generous with the poor spirit in one moment you're counting your pennies and you're thinking God and you're not talking about physical pennies. You're talking about emotional pennies. I don't, have, I don't have the energy to spend a moment with that person and I reject them. I love you. He loves you. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. So from rejection to pride, we just bounce around. The plumb line of our heart is going bunkers. The world is going bunkers. We're in a time of change. Everything is changing. One of my kids actually turned 15. That was a change. Because you cannot turn like, the si- to the side of a 15 year old and tell them what to think. They're telling you what you'll be wearing tomorrow. My son, yesterday, turned 18. Together with my wife, we were like, wow, that's a change. My wife actually kind of like is a bit more brutal than I am against myself. And she was remembering that she, she actually did my cake. When I became 19 years old, and our, our son is turning 18, like we need grace, we need new grace for this season, we, we need the grace of God, like, like the mirror is lying to us, we got wrinkles, and we got gray hairs, and patches here and there, and, and Lord, my knee is not praising the Lord this morning, and, and my back is completely oppressed by the devil, come on God, you know, I need help, I need help. We need a new grace. Every change demands from us to move from glory to glory. Yesterday's glory, yesterday's grace is not enough. You're not Christian from yesterday. You're Christian today. Is there enough evidence in your side today that you have a new grace? That Jesus is passing by because you have a colonnade. You usually ally to the ones that are ill from the same disease in your heart that you have. We might not have leprosy, might not be lame, but you are still ill. And ill means today incomplete. And I need Jesus to come through my incompletes. Because if not, I will not be able to get there. So the story situates us in Bethesda. We're talking about mercy, and we love that. Wow, mercy. Thank you, Lord. Your mercies are renewed every morning. (gasps) Spirit lead me. And we start singing we get all kind of romanticized. We got the Roman eye, you know, onto that. we like, look at it with desire. It was like, mm, I desire that thought. But all of a sudden, you was like the house of shames. Oh, Lord, if they knew who I am in the private. Lord, have mercy. Bethesda is it's safe to say there was a place for the abandoned, the afflicted. It was a place for the forgotten, the dirty, the lame, the outcast, the you, the me, the needy, in the emotional, the spiritual, even in the physical, some of us. A place for those that are sick. A place for those that are confused. If you're one of those, there's grace. I don't know if this week you were trying to make means in your thoughts, in your emotions, physically, emotionally, financially, but there's a place there's a place for you in this colonnade of us all of us are in need of Jesus in the daily we got to be sober in our walk with him if we walk today thinking we got it all figured out because we saw him yesterday eh, that's wrong you need the grace of today you might have seen what he has done, and that's up to you if you were paying attention. Some of us walk so hard and so fast and with thriving and striving to be loved by others, even in circles that know Jesus, that we never pay attention that Jesus was with us. And you're asking God on a Saturday, how was this week? You're trying to make counts. you know, you're trying to close the books of the week, and you're trying to say, hey, God, did I see you? And God is saying, do you notice And maybe sometimes the enemy steals from you because he cannot oppress you. He cannot make you do stupid things. But maybe he steals from you because you didn't notice. And God wants to be noticed. God wants to be first. He don't want to be the afterthought of your week. He don't want to be your Saturday. He is your Sunday, baby. Come on, get on with the plan. He is walking through. There's grace. And when grace hits you, you might have been abandoned and afflicted. You might be confused and sick. You might be needy as it goes through the bone. But Jesus is walking through you because he walks with the lowly. He walks with those that need comfort. And he says, I comfort you. But he comforts us so we remember how to comfort others. So we are inspired to comfort those that are in need of comfort. Jesus, the comforter, the one that announced the comforter because the comforter is the Holy Spirit... Actually saying, you know, I'm walking by, the Holy Spirit is here to remind us that there is grace. This place. Although it didn't look like that. It was in the, it didn't look like it was a place of grace. It was in the, near the sheep gate. And that means they will take all the dung, all the, the things that they didn't want from the city. Let's say like that, you know. There's all kinds of audience today. So, the things that they didn't want from the city. Sheepgate. I was very tempted to translate that one. Uh, the sheepgate. And um, the stinky place. He was near the place where no one would go because the stink, the diseased, the lame, the broken were there. You don't go and associate with what you're trying to escape, you associate with the ones that you want to look like. That's why now media lies to us and has us infatuated with lies. We keep on lying to ourselves because we, likes a, we like a lifestyle, but we don't know the sufferings. And Jesus was with the ones that were suffering because he's the lifestyle. Our lifestyle is to be shown to the ones that need it. That's the gospel. He was there. This place. And many of them actually were ill. They couldn't walk but there was a grace in there and some of them had been for a long time the bible teaches us that this man specifically that jesus stopped and saw and looked and talked with he was there for 38 years you cannot survive without food for 38 years so i know this guy only was not in a covered colonnade and sheltered translation sometimes covered colonnade what does that mean you have a roof but also they had to be refed Because you cannot survive that long. But sometimes people feed you in your need instead of taking you out of it. We don't want to be a church that feeds people under a colony or brokenness. We want to see people walking high and tall in the presence of God, in the purposes of God. And the gospel is everything we need for all of that. There is a Jesus. There's grace. So we come into the story and Jesus is confronting the place of old grace foot for thought grace expires in your life oh my god that's transgressive. aggressive and jesus was so aggressive this is not an easygoing panten hair jesus that we see jesus was wild he will walk and interrupt and disrupt and everything in you physically emotionally spiritually will jump because jesus just walked by and when jesus walks by your life i want jesus to walk by my life anyone wants jesus to walk by your life i want to be disrupted In this season of changes, I want to be more than changing. I want to be disrupted. I want to be those that actually, I want to be part of those that look at the mirror and say, what are you doing to me? I don't want to have it all together. I don't want to be in control of my life in that sense. I want to say to Jesus, what are you doing? Everything I thought I can trust, I don't have, but only you. And Jesus said, exactly, you have me. I want to live the gospel that leads us into power and purpose. I don't want to be like the blind and the, and the lame that stayed in a colony that was sheltered and someone fed me on my brokenness. I don't want to be part of a church that only gathers those that want to think the same. I want to be part of a gospel that empowers those and leads them to a relationship and transforms them. I want to see Jesus walking by. That's the gospel, that's the craving, that's the urgency we were singing about. That's, that's the person of Jesus in each one of us. He leads us into contentment with his presence and kicks out all comfort breaks out of our life. He makes us whole. Jesus. So they were fed and they were covered, but they also conformed and all of us have areas in our life in our spiritual walk that we have conformed it's just going to be like that that's who i am see that's the area i need jesus and his grace and we make it very very romantic you know we make it very etsy and we make it very pinterest and we just want to google our life being very very photographic but the reality is that's called sin and jesus came to stand against the sin in your life so you can be free in my life he wants Every day for me to stand up from my sin, from my colonnade. I don't know if this is helping. Is this helping anyone right now to have an amen, amen, one amen, one sincere human being in this place? Someone that actually can say, I am in a colonnade and I don't have what it takes for this coming week and I need Jesus. I am being fed by my need all week and no one confronted me, but I need Jesus. Someone, someone wants to say amen. Someone, someone says I need the grace. I want, I want that Jesus. I don't want to stay here put in my yesterday. I want to walk from tomorrow into the next day, into the glory that God has called me. I have been called, I've been called to a new grace. I don't want to stay in all grace. I want the grace for the now. I don't want to remember the days that I used to listen to God, and we would go to the streets in these tents, and everyone would get a tea and the gospel. I remember the days that we were giving Bibles. I remember the days that things will happen, and artists will pop by, and we will be able to actually preach to people that we will never have been able to see. But God had a grace. I don't want to talk about old grace. I want the now. I want the Jesus that is moving. He's moving in, and He wants to give us the grace for now. He has passion to spill all your beans. He has fire to turn the world on fire. He has miracles to leave no one behind or unseen. But are we overstaying in that old grace? Don't you hate it when you invite people to your house, and um, you know, and you invite them, and you're like, ah, come to my house, mate, hey. Come in. And then you start looking at the, at the watch. There's some of us that are more politically correct. Jesus was not politically correct, by the way. And, and you know what, like, and they start overstaying. You know, like, it hits a moment that you say, hey, you know what, um, if you're not going to help me to wash the dishes, you got to go. <laughs> but we're so fake most of the time that we just look. And we teach with our eyes. We're we're teaching, always teaching, you know? So we're teaching the people how to look at the the clock in the wall. (laughs) And how we teach in the most interesting moment of their commentary, because they don't stop talking, we look at the clock. That's how you teach people, you got to go. I love you, but see you tomorrow. One of the best things that got invented is a day after another. (laughs) I see you later. I love you, but shut up (laughs) thank God God is not like that we never overstay him but we might overstay a grace moment we might overstay we might actually pull too many tricks in the same grace we pull too many moments oh God's grace covers me moments you know and Jesus was actually kind of coming in for the kill he was here to kill that survival mode in this man because he loved him and this man had purpose and had a whole life to see the goodness of God. And it was enough. But he needed to trigger the will of the man. So we're going to get there in a minute. I'm not want to over, you know, I'm just getting too excited. Don't do that to me, you guys. The reality of God is that he, he understands that his grace has a time frame in our lives. But we don't. And he teaches us with mercy what grace is supposed to do. Grace is supposed to be power. Not tolerance. So God has grace. That's called tolerance. That, when you put it in that frame, that's called tolerance. And God doesn't tolerate a lot of things that you think he might be. You might be being corrected. Don't worry about it. You will get with the plan. We might be just stretching a bit too more our brokenness. Sorry, the grace of God over an area in some seasons in our life. And Jesus might have to pop in and tell us, what do you want? Shall you, in the King James, be made whole? Shall thou? Sounds a little bit more spiritual. <laughs> Pay. The place of overextended grace keeps us broken. And God will never keep us broken. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be complete and he walks with us he comes and asks the question that he knew yes to disgrace favor even encouragement who likes to be encouraged by God who like during the week says like God what are you doing and God says I love you and you're like thank you (laughs) or like it's gonna be fine Ah, oh, that's what I need to hear. Oh, he gives you one, like, one of those kind of psalms that makes you feel like you're David, you know, running through the fields, you know, caressing the grass, you know. You know, like, you're, like, with that weapon that is, is never going to be able to be defeated. You are like that, that it will never be defeated by those foreign weapons, you know. You're the one that is, is the head, and not the tail. You know, like, those moments, you know, like, we all love that. But that's old tomorrow. Usually, I always make a joke out of this. Like, God will tell you on a Monday, I love you. And usually you don't need it on a Monday. You need it on a Tuesday. But because you thought it was from then, the grace is not sufficient for the next day. And all of a sudden you're saying, like, God, I consumed that. Sorry, I didn't believe you. Sorry, I thought you were kind of like overstating something that is obvious. And when you consume grace, you are never able to do it on time. God wants to keep us on track And through that, He is not conforming. Jesus is not going to be conformative, conforming to anything in our life. He's not going to be passive. The Spirit of God comes today to disrupt all comfort and conformism. He comes to take us from the quiet to the ones that are not polite, but are expressing the Spirit of God. God is radical. He's wild. He's disruptive. And He also is the one that turns our towns upside down. Do you get what I mean? When, when we are walking through a situation, Jesus is coming with the strength, emotional strength, to come from one situation to the other without feeling that his grace is not more than sufficient. Of course we know he's the, he's the son of God. Of course we know. And you we say, well, that was Jesus. But the reality of it is that we need that type of Jesus every day to walk into every situation with us. We are there. Jesus would walk into town, said, with one conversation, we talk about the the woman, the Samaritan woman, with one conversation, he would disturb or disrupt the whole town. We're talking about the possessed man in, in in the gatherings area, and he had a conversation with one man. And you know what? It was so disruptive that actually that's called disruption. When you start talking about Jesus, disruption happens to come around. Amen. Let's use it, special effects. It happens. The reality of it is that even if we're afflicted, Jesus is in town. Even if we're confused, Jesus is in town. And disruption is part of the mix of grace. If you're trying to have grace that looks good on an ink or in a magazine or, or in, in, a, in a picture, that's not going to be grace. That you control. That you put, you, you put little effects onto it. Like, what do you call them? Um, nowadays, what, what? Like, yeah, Photoshop is one thing, but what you have in your... Filters, filters. Grace has no filters, mate. Oh, that sounded better even that. That sounded better than in my head. Grace has no filters. Can you put that down? Maybe if you learned that this week, actually, I love the disruptions because it shows you that grace has no filter. Grace has not failed her. So we're there. And he's coming full of new grace. He was not using the grace that he needed for the woman in Samaria. He's not, he's not looking for, for the grace that he had in that wedding that he just um, he started doing things that people were call attention into. He, he just, he was using new grace. The grace for the moment. Sometimes we're saying, Lord, I don't have the grace. Did you ask? Sometimes I, sometimes I ask, God, how do you see this? It's like, well, I'm looking at it. But you're not. You're looking at the situation. I'm looking at it. You're supposed to look at me. I'm looking at the situation. I'm your wisdom. Grace has expiration, and grace has no filters. Grace favor." provision, encouragement will expire. But the calling of God in your life will never. So at the moment you have no grace, it means the Holy Spirit is leading you to move. Maybe you have to change that relationship. When you don't have the grace to stay holy, maybe the Lord is moving on from that relationship. Move on. Don't stay in the colonnade. Don't stay sufficing your need because you shelter, you're covered people don't notice. It is accepted because other broken people are in the same place. Move on. Stay with God. It's the same place. We understand that this affects us in territory because this has to do with mindsets. When we actually start thinking about grace and what it does, we have to understand that it has to affect our mind. You want to know how you know if you are in old grace? Anyone wants to know? I got, what, ABCs and that's it. You know, like only three. You want to know? Okay, there you go. So old grace loves survival mode. But new grace kills your survival gains. Old grace loves survival mode and mentality and points of view and mindsets. But new new grace actually kills survival. It kills it. And you know what? How do you know if you're in all grace? Because you're inward in your mind. You're always thinking of self. You have a relationship with Jesus so you can feel good. You spend time with God so he gives you a word. But you're never praying for someone else's life. You're like, I want to be good today. Lord, speak to me. Survival mode, all grace. But we can mature from that because that's what's milk, and God is calling us to full fat, to a good diet. One of those that actually leads us into pray for others. One of those are minded of the others. Mindsets are everything. What we value in our mind dictates our walk and the type of grace we are accepting. Old grace will survive only, new grace will be outward. Second thing that old, greats, old, old grace has is tradition. But new grace confronts dead tradition. It was a rule for a season. You know what? You know why I come from a background that I don't know how I will do with that type of relationship. So to that person, I'm not going to talk to. But as you mature and as God is more in lordship of your emotions and your relationship, you are able to have conversations that are deep without going into seduction, manipulation, and using people for your own desires. New grace. You don't have to stay scared of what will people will do to you because you got a favor in your life. It kills the tradition. What you traditionally would have done—they had a cultural tradition that said that angels will come and steal the waters, and then the first one that will go in, boom, wundaba. they will be healed. But that was tradition. That was no Bible. That was no spirit of God. That was tradition, superstition. Old grace keeps you superstitious. If I do that. If I don't do that, because there's Christian superstition. Do you know? If I do this, the Lord will bless me. Man, he blesses your heart. if you're doing it with the wrong motivation, he won't bless you. He will teach you. He will keep his hand. So he he, he allows for you to have the space to look for him instead of tradition and superstition. You still love me? Awfully quiet. eh? I knew this was not going to sit down with you very good, but it's okay. You can change new grace. (laughs) I need your grace as well. (laughs) Not only God's use. Not only that, it confronts the dead traditions in our life. And it teaches us how to value forward. So I am not only having relationships because they give me something now. I value relationships because they are something for the kingdom even tomorrow. So I'm able to see people with the hope, with the grace, with the the wherewithal of God because I know that there's something of God in that person and I'm able to love clean. So I am dying to the survival mode. I'm dying to the tradition because I can see with the new of God. I'm able to see and value the people more than what they can offer me. I'm not inward. I'm not traditional. I'm not saying, oh, this is how i always done it. I'm valuing how God sees it. I have a new grace. And thirdly, see, I finish with this. God calls us with new grace to growth and excellence. All grace says, you know what, I've done all of this. Now I'm okay. And some of us are tired and have not been refreshed. We have not paid attention and Jesus is walking by. Get tired, get weary, and that's normal. When we're walking with God, we get tired and we get weary. But as we walk with him and we're looking at him and we're noticing him, we get refreshed. We get new grace and that leads us to grow, not be stagnant. Not to lay down our comfort in our mats, in our colonnade, in our accepted area and group. God calls us to grow and to grow and to be excellent. Not only to grow as people, but to seek the growth of God in others. Because we're outwards. We take risks. Those that are in survival mode in their faith never take the risk. We're always counting if we can do that based on our knowledge of who we are. Look at the people of Israel in Exodus. They were trying to go into the promise. It was set. It was theirs. God said it. But they are looking at the giants. Can I take the risk? And sometimes we are distracted by the giants. We're distracted by the challenge. And we don't see that we can take a risk. And if we believe, if we have the grace from God, we can take them. Look at Caleb and Joshua. They were saying, hey, you know what? If God said it, we can do it. And A, they were only the only ones that actually got into the promise. Do you want to get into the promise, into the purposes of God? Then you start taking risks. Because if it's not impossible, God is not going to inhabit it. If you can do it, you do it. But if only God can do it, he will get into it. He called you. It has to be impossible. And if it's impossible, he has the glory. Not you. 38 years. 38. Of being abandoned. I don't know what areas in your life you have sat down in the corner. And you have not visited for a while. But Jesus today is passing by. To grow and to be excellent calls us to invest our lives and not to pass the receipts to God. God, I did all of these things for you. The Bible itself, Jesus himself is going to frown upon those moments. When Jesus is coming by, we have to invest our life. It's not that I did all that to you and for you and through you. It's that I knew you while I was doing all that. We invest our lives, and as we invest our lives, we get to know him. That's the price. He calls us to grow and to be excellent, to raise the bar and the standards. And finally, one of my favorites, he calls us to move in quality. We're big on saying, no, no quantity, I want quality. I don't want the big perfume that is cheap. I want the small, small pot that is nice, and Jesus is looking for us. And the grace of God actually comes today to say, I know that you don't have enough. I know that I'm passing by in the places of your shame that you want to say, I had grace, but that grace is old. It's time to mature. New grace needs to be put in place. He's actually kind of saying, Hey, I don't know how long you've been there, but don't worry. I visit that, and tomorrow you're called to have a purpose. That man had to have a job next day because he was healed. He was carrying what was carrying him. That man had to actually kind of confront the mentality of trying to go to the pool. And every time someone would jump because he had no one to help him. That pity party that he was throwing there in front of Jesus got confronted in such a way that he never went back to the porch. The porch of his heart. I was looking at the story and I I had to see that he tried to go to the pool several times. So that means that he moved. But then he went back to the old. Every time we move, stay closer. Don't go back to what you used to do, what you used to think or what your grandma was thinking, or your grandpa was saying that you should be led by. Go back to Jesus. That's the power of God. Is that where it resides. And lastly, your capacity will be challenged, but you will know the Lord better. The new grace comes to say, You know, I know that you know you don't deserve it, but I bestow unto you a favor. The new grace comes to say, I know that you understand you're not eligible, but through Him, again and again, you understand that He loves you and you can do it. Third, it says, New grace leads us to go beyond what we know, and we can go. He gives us the favor, the grace the wisdom that is beyond what we think. So new grace doesn't need background. Most of the times don't even experience, to be fair. It needs hearts that are willing. I can go, and I can do all these things that he says through him for his purposes. New grace, five. Not only is there to meet us with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness, is there to meet us with power and with the ability to obey is there to meet us with favor that that innate ability to do things that we were never trained to do to be able to think like you go into rooms and all of a sudden people have to be good to you the grace of god the favor of god that is what happens when we are in new grace New grace leads you into situations and sometimes meets you in situations that are too strong for you and your mind to go through. But Jesus is walking by. What do you want? Shall you make, be healed today? New grace comes to empower those moments, those areas in our life. So we can go through situations that everyone else has failed. Every family member, generations has failed doing what you're doing. And everyone thinks, wow, it looks easy. And you know, it has not been. It has been the grace. But we need new grace today to do what God is planning for tomorrow. We are not that stay behind. No, those that actually stay in what God did yesterday. Today, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the things that are behind you. I'm doing a new thing. Are you going to see it? Are you gonna be healed? Are you gonna receive the new grace? Only those that walk in new grace are able to attain what looks impossible. What generations failed at doing because they were with all grace. God is calling us to believe and believe again. There's a new grace. The grace for the changes that we all experiment. Around the world, everything is changing. The way that we think, the way that we buy. The way that we associate. Everything is changing. The values and the structure of society and family are changing. But God doesn't. And He has a grace for His people to be able to stand tall and full of Him in the season that is demanding from us. To see Him afresh. God wants to pour His heart and His life and His authority, His ability to see the unseeable into your life. But are you looking for the new grace? Or you had enough of him already. God hates religion. But He's with those that say, Lord, I need you. If God has been speaking to you at any point, you can put your hand up. I don't want to ask you to stand up. Not yet. Not now. If God has been speaking to you. Is there a response that you need to activate? I didn't stand you. I didn't ask you to stand and join me in your feet. Like usually because there's a decision. The man stood and walked. At once, the man was healed. And sometimes we're not walking our healings. We're not walking the seasons. We're not walking the grace. We never get to experience at the other side how it looked. Imagine this man that was counting the days and say like, "Yo," but it has been thirty-eight years. He had to jump over that thought pattern, that point of view. He had to stand up. Yet I don't know if you have it in you today. If there's an area that God is saying you got to stand up in this area, that grace is old. I got more for you. You don't have to stay asking for forgiveness in the same areas of your life. I got more for you. You can stand up, but it's up to you to stand. Is there anyone in the room that wants to stand with your Savior today? Do you want to be made whole? I invite you to stand if that's you. Not if you are okay with your colonnade. If you have found comfort in your little pool, mate, in that little porch, don't, don't stand up. Don't worry about it. But if you're wanting Jesus to actually come through and say, I got something new for you, and you want it, you got to pick up that shame, that mat, that past, and take it to him and say, I trade the old for the new. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. Father, thank you for the ability to have conviction, Lord. Thank you for the ability to hear your voice, Lord, and actually apply it, Lord, through the power. Father, and the conviction that you give us, Lord. Father, we are like those that today choose to stand up, to pick up our mat, Lord. In that pool of shame, in that pool of despair, but that pool of grace and mercy that our new, Lord. Today we stand in that tension, Father, with the gospel that is strong, with with your walking with us, with your hand behind us, Lord, and ahead of us, Lord, teaching us how to be in you. Not only for you, but to be in you. Father, today we hang up from that grace. And we say, Father, we need the grace. We need the grace for these changes. We need the grace for this season. We need the grace to be parents today, Lord. Father, we need the grace to be husbands and wives that are full of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, we need the grace to be boyfriends and girlfriends that are there to be a blessing and to catapult each other to your purposes in holiness. Father, we need your grace. Father, we need your grace emotionally, physically, psychologically, financially. We need your grace. We need the new, Lord. And we are dealing with standing up. Father, will you give us the strength? Some of us, Father, have no strength. Some of us have landed today here with the little strength that we had, that we can muster because we knew it was good to come, Father. And today you're delivering this word to each one of us, Lord. And some of us are saying, I don't have the strength. And, Father, today we say, Lord, help us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I speak Life over every tired area, every tired mind, every tired heart in this place, Lord. Father, I speak life, and I speak that strength that comes from you to stand up at your voice command, at your promises, Lord, at your timing, Lord. It's not only that we can decide it's your timing we want to stand today. We're not going to leave it for yesterday. We're not going to spend more years in this. We want to reach out for that new grace. So, Father, find us today in this place, Lord. We give you our rights, Lord. Father, we give you all authority in our minds and our hearts, Lord. You change what you are good to change, Lord. Father, we open our story and our history, Lord. We open our emotions to be restored and aligned. Father, we ask that you would today not only give us the strength, but give us direction, Father, we are going to pick up that that we're holding us, Lord. Those systems, Lord, that we have got so used to, Lord. And we're going to go and walk on the purposes that you have for us, Lord. Father, we are decided as your people to walk in your promise, in your truth. Not in emotions, not in feelings, not in the waves of today, Lord. We walk on your truth, Lord. Father, we ask that you will give us that wisdom in the daily, Lord. Give us today, Lord that bread. If there's anyone in this room that needs prayer or has never made a decision for Jesus and you want to make it today, there's people in both sides that want to pray with you and for you. Do not go away without taking that moment. It is a privilege for us to pray with you and for you. No one in this room is better than anyone. We need the Jesus that we all know to walk by our colonnade today. So, Father, thank you for your blessing over this word. Father, lead us in this week, Lord. Lead us with peace and understanding. Lead us into depth in your heart, Lord. Lead us to be channels and testimonies that are alive walking through these streets. Lord, lead us to be bread to those that need seed in the areas that are seedless. Lord, lead us. To have passion with people, have despair, Father. Have peace when people are in turmoil, Father. Lead us. Lead your church. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. One last thing. I want us to actually kind of like extend our hands like this towards the worship team. There's worship team members all over this place. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of worshipers. (laughs) Thank God. If you have a worship team member around you, just put your arm around them. Because tomorrow we are recording um, our first album of the church. And those are, are songs that God has given several of us. And have been kind of like a trademark for our walk with Jesus. And we don't only celebrate Him through this, but this is celebrating His work in us as well. Tomorrow we are going to be celebrating who Jesus has been doing and who He is in us. And we want to bless these people that have been leading us for years in worship. We want to bless them. We speak life. There where you are, just start praying for them. Father, we speak life over each one of them. We speak peace. We speak restoration in their physical. Father, in their emotions. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we stand with this army of worshipers, Lord, and we declare Your goodness, Your rest, Your virtue over them, Your Spirit. Your spirit, Lord, we ask for a peace that's beyond understanding. We speak for wisdom in their feelings, Lord. Lead them into thoughts that are full of you, that captivate their minds, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, the sweetness of your presence. Father, show them their hearts and how good you are with them. How well they are for you, Father. We ask for your presence, Lord. Tomorrow as we celebrate you, Lord, will you fill that room? Father, will you feel, Father, our minds, our hearts, can we celebrate you, how you deserve, oh, our King. Father, we ask for more of you. An outpouring, Lord, we ask for, Father, a wave of repentance. Father, that leads to a great, great born-again revival. Father, we ask for your presence, and we ask for the impossible. Father, we ask for doors open in this city, Lord, that have, will have ears to hear. And receptive hearts, Lord, make yourself famous in the hearts again, in the streets again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.